0: Welcome, everybody. This is episode 193 of the Galen Trombley Show. My guest today, um, I actually just met him, but I think from a virtual world, I I followed him a little bit in this company, and um, I think every time I drive down South Junction, I always like peek into the the yard and kind of see, and it looks like it's pretty much, and I'll have you expand on this, almost like a little... uh, Caddyshack kind of thing like a little building and then it, I'm sure there's more yard than there is structure, but um, my guest today is Troy Baraby. he is the co-owner of South Junction Enterprises and more recycling um, in well, South Junction in Plattsburgh more recycling in Keysville. Um and yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to this and so the, the five minutes I've talked to you prior to getting on I think we're gonna have some fun today. So welcome.
1: Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me I appreciate it again So, uh
0: Again, I, you kind of gave me, I'll, I'll give the elevator uh, pitch, but I have you go more into uh, detail here. Who are you? Where'd you come from? How'd you get involved with both of these uh, businesses? And again, running two businesses, anything else that you're a part of that take up
1: life? So go ahead. Sure. Uh, yep. My name is Troy Barabee. I'm from Keysville, born and raised, uh, 36 years old, and uh, I am co-owner of More Recycling in Keysville. Uh, third generation scrap metal recycling company, uh, co-owner of South junction enterprises with my brother, which is a rail facility in Plattsburgh. And we actually just started a third business, uh, more trucks, uh, out of keysville, New York as well. Um, so yeah, uh, third generation on the scrap. So I've been pretty much doing that my whole life. Um, even before we had our own scrap metal recycling, uh, business, I worked, uh, when I, for my grandfather when I was younger and then um, you know I've been doing that my whole life South Junction we started in 2016 um, So we've been doing that six, seven years now um, and then more trucks is a brand new business. We just started trucking company out of Keysville as well. So there's a little bit of similarity but
0: a lot of like difference in similarity between mm-hmm. the two Do you find um, which one takes
1: up most of your time at this point? <laughs> I would say probably, probably more recycling is, is the most time consuming one that we have the most employees at. Um, it's a little bit more, uh, more overhead, higher functioning, stuff like that. There's more facets to it for what we, the services that we provide and offer to our customers. Um not that we don't do a lot of stuff at south junction and more trucks but uh south junction is run by just a couple of people um some really key people uh mm-hmm. down there so so probably for me um more recycling is where i spend most of my time my brother and i used to work at south junction every day ourselves for the first three years uh unloading rail cars and doing stuff like that and then we uh we found it was best to to train an, an uh, existing employee and he kind of takes care of it now for us. And so we can be free to go get new deals, go get work on, you know, contracts, uh, work closer to some of our customers and stuff and manage the other facets of the business.
0: So, and when you come from, a, I guess a knowledge perspective, which what's the one that you think just kind of fits the mold the best for you? Like which one comes easiest? Um, is it, you know, obviously is it the scrapyard having had at this point decades involved yeah, in it's,
1: that. It's funny that you say it like that. Um, they're so different. Uh, the one that's, you know, the the tried and true one we've been doing so long, obviously, is more recycling. Like I said, we're third generation in that, and I was working for my grandfather when I was a kid doing that. Um, so that one is, is in a way, you know, the one I always have seen myself doing. Uh, South Junction, uh, like I said, five, six years now, and that was just something my brother and I started. Um, kind of happened on a whim. Kind of a couple funny stories uh, of how that all started. I'm sure we'll get into later. And then more trucks is is you know brand new. We just started it uh, this year. Within the last several months, um, trucking company where we own a whole bunch of trucks uh, and and offer trucking services for other people. So they they have different different vibes, different feelings, and and I guess they're special to me all in their own independent different ways.
0: Do you find? It- Obviously more recycling, I think special because of nostalgia, you know, obviously Absolutely. starting as a young kid, but Absolutely. what made
1: you get into or start South Junction? So South Junction, funny story that, um, my brother and I were kind of looking for a second scrap yard closer to Plattsburgh, uh, which we hope mm-hmm. to eventually someday get. And we're still looking into, we have so many, um, we have so many customers in Plattsburgh, mm-hmm. um, from residential to commercial customers. So we were kind of looking for a second location and uh, we found this piece of property and we went to a uh, bid on it. And like I said, we were thinking second scrapyard. We bought it and knew it needed some rehab and stuff, but we were just so busy with our other endeavors with the scrapyard and, you know, doing trucking and different stuff like that. So kind of initially for a few months kind of got put on the back burner after we bought it and then that was in the end of 2015. 2016 we went down and started you know kind of rehabbing it doing some work on it stuff like that and Canadian Pacific Rail called me I was at my office in Keysville and they called me and they said hey is this Troy Baraby?" and I said yeah it is and they said uh well we heard you bought that piece of property up on South Junction Road I guess i I should I should tell you in 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 the beginning there was a there's a rail spur on on the piece of property okay. so that hadn't been used in several years and they said well you know have you ever thought about unloading rail cars for for customers for companies and I said no not really and they said well you know transloading's a big thing a lot of people do it for their own companies but don't offer the services to other companies and you know, it's a good business. You should think about doing it. And they said, do you mind if we give your number to some people? Is it something you'd consider? And I said, yeah, sure. Give them my number. And, and, um, that was in 20, that was 2016. Um, and then they started giving my number out. People started calling me and I started doing some research into it, um, into what it was like to unload rail cars for companies, uh, what they call transloading. So transloading is moving one uh, commodity from either truck to rail or rail to truck. Mm -hmm. Um, it's usually done in bulk, bulk volumes. Um, so I said, yeah, sure. And, uh, I, I first company I called or that called me, excuse me, was at Omaha, Omaha, Nebraska. And they had, you know, strategic, strategically, excuse me, looked in upstate New York in the North country in and around Clinton and Essex County because they knew we had a lot of farms. They were a grain company okay, and they wanted to sell grain to farms. So they kind of already had new known about, you know, the, um, the amount of agricultural, you know, presence that was in the North country and they had done their homework before getting a hold of us. So we, um, we met up with them. They loved the facility and, uh, make a long story short. That was the first deal that we inked in, uh, 20, early 2017. Now I remember cause I was on my honeymoon with my wife. Um, and the first rail cars came in when, when we were gone on our honeymoon, my brother was like, took all these funny pictures and you know, he was all excited <laughs> to see the first yeah. rail cars coming in. It was like our, our little claim to fame there. So, um, yeah, that was in 2017 and, uh, it really grew from there. It really grew from there.
0: So, so really it was just kind of, by happenstance, it happened. Like, again, you it guys kind of kept your options open. It and was. Do you find that you, um, obviously, this was an opportunity that fell in your lap, but are you someone that kind of keeps your, you know, like I said, I think uh, people that are optimistic, I think people that are, are um, open to trying new things, some people are so closed, they just yeah. like almost like mentally just can't even see that. Absolutely. But you looked, I mean, you could easily have said no. Right you know what I mean? And like it changed the course of, at least up to this point, you know, last five, six years. I
1: think it was a couple of different things. I think some of it was that, so scrap metal is a really cyclical, you know, type of market-based thing where it's up, it's down, it's up, it's down like the stock market, like any other things. Mm -hmm. And I think that part of it was just looking for something to diversify ourselves, something different than we'd always, than we'd had done in the past. Um, and one thing that's you know so great about being partners with my brother is he's always looking for different new ways of something to do. So you know we bought the property thinking, hey, there's a rail spur on it that could be something. And then, like I said, we just got had gotten so busy um, doing stuff with more recycling, and then and then it really just started with that first that first contract doing uh, the grain for the farms, and uh, that was really what kicked it off.
0: How was so how was the upstart? Again, if you're, you're busy at more recycling, sure. this gets dumped in and then how do you make sure. that transition to put time into it? It's, uh,
1: so what we did at the beginning was, um, you know, my brother and I are very hands on people. We like to know what we're talking about with our customers. Um, so what we did at the beginning is I'd worked down there for three months. And then I'd go back to more recycling. And Tanner would go down and work South Junction for three months. And we just really traded off for, for three months at a time. And he would do it. I would do it. We both knew how to unload and and, uh, and work with the rail cars and stuff. Understood the, um, the equipment. Uh, I guess a, a preface to that is before we actually brought in the rail cars and started doing it, we went on a road trip um, for... Four or five days, my brother and I, and went and saw other rail facilities and what they were doing, how they were unloading it, what equipment they were using. So you know, we wanted to do our homework as far Mm -hmm. as you know. We wanted to make sure it was efficient. Um, We wanted to know how fast people were unloading rail cars at other facilities. Um, Like I said, what what kind of equipment they were using. You know we're familiar with the equipment for scrap metal recycling, but not unloading rail cars. So, so we had to do our homework well, on that. Was
0: this before you said yes? <laughs>
1: so, yeah, like, like I officially said, said yes, or did yes. you say like, yes, let's go figure it out. No, well, we, we kind of had known when CP got a hold of us before we inked the deal that like, okay, you know, this is what transloading is. This is what people do. And when the grain company reached out, um, you know, they said, you know, this is kind of what we're looking for. And, so that's when we went on the road trip and they said, well, there's some other people that are doing this. Here's, here's some of their names and numbers. It was, you know, five, six hours away mm-hmm. and we met, went and met with them, saw what they were doing, you know, held the product in our hands, you know, mm-hmm. had the tangible thing with it and, uh, you know, saw it working for other people. And, and it really, it really opens up to and gives you an idea of, well, we could definitely do this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, how much of an impact that road trip had on us just going to a couple of different places. And they used you know, this piece of equipment and it took too long to load or it wasn't efficient. And then we found, um, the one facility that was using the conveyors that we actually have now at South junction. Um, and it was fast, it was efficient. People were happy to go there. They were in and out, you know, it's all about efficiency, you know? Um, So that's when we did it and we were like, okay, this is the equipment we need, put the whole business plan together as far as, you know, this is the initial investment of the equipment, stuff like that. And, um, that's really when we hit the ground running with it. So, um,
0: so again, you know, you have a rail car comes in, it's loaded with green or whatever, and then you would have, you would coordinate with now it's more truck part of this or you're having people coming in with trucks coordinating Mm -hmm. kind of like hey have your stuff here we're going to get it off on then you have your driver take it out so a little
1: bit of both we started um working with outside trucking uh outfits uh right from the Mm -hmm. get-go they'd come in we'd get a schedule pulling some rail cars these trucks are going to be here at this day you know just like any other business have a schedule and uh started to unload them get our feet wet with how the equipment worked, you know, how, uh, time frame, stuff like that. Um, and for a while we just loaded other people. And then, you know, you see some of the unprecedented things with the truck. you know, a, a truck cancels a load or does something like that. Sorry about that. No, sorry. <laughs> and it's, it's
0: live. we just roll. So.
1: And, um, so, so when we saw some of that stuff we were like, you know, we think we could add something to this, bring something to the table as far as our our own trucking and mm-hmm. if we're doing the other aspect of it, it's you know, we could schedule it better. So um we did end up buying uh we had tractor trailers but we bought a grain trailer so we could haul it ourselves. So now we're unloading it ourselves and hauling it ourselves. And you have a driver that's doing that or someone yeah. that runs the road? Yep. We have a couple of drivers um but we have one guy that that uh, has been with my my family for Almost 30 years and wow, okay. uh, he's, he's irreplaceable. He's great.
0: Um, so is there a lot of time where you would unload product and just have it sit in the yard for a while or usually mo- mostly day of kind of pickup?
1: Usually the way that we have done things is there's a, there's a truck for the load and, and it kind of sits in the rail car until you get the truck. You know, it, it can sit in the rail car until you get the truck, but it's usually kind of hand to mouth with, you got to have the truck to get it out of the rail car. Um, but that kind of lends itself to you want to have the schedule and you want to keep the rail cars, you know, kind of turning and burning, you know.
0: And is this Monday through Friday? Think, yeah, for the most part. Monday through Friday. And then is I mean, is that like in a normal? Does it vary much, or is it each day you kind of have a set amount of like, we, hey, we know we're gonna have this many
1: each day? We have a set schedule for a lot of it. Um, some of it, uh, like some of the stuff we do for Plattsburgh business, if they need a little bit more or need a little bit less, we can kind of tweak it. But um, you know, there's people coming in. From six a.m. to four or five p.m. every single day in Plattsburgh. So
0: you guys are there every time, or you have people now that can manage it. Most? Net,
1: like I said, now we have a guy, um, Jason, who has been running it for a few years for us, okay. and he's been great.
0: Um, how was the? I mean, you hear again the, the new. It's kind of like people ask me about interest rates in real estate, but you hear about supply chain and stuff. Have you been affected by that at
1: all? Absolutely. I mean, um, so what, you know, I, I chalk it up as kind of some of the trials and tribulations of things that we learned getting into this is a lot of the times some of the supply chain issues, like you said, you know, impact us, but we don't really have anything to do with. Um, mm-hmm. But but they impact us, like, um, you know, rail cars getting held up in, you know, in Canada or, um, you know, there's a strike or. Um, we had, uh, a, a few different strikes where rail cars were sitting for three weeks at a time. So now we're not getting rail cars into Plattsburgh. Mm-hmm. Our customers can't get the product. Um, they have, they have to get the product. So sometimes they have to go get it with trucks or do different things. So yeah, Which we've got you, you out at that point. Exactly. We've, yeah. we've definitely been impacted by supply chain issues for sure. Um, <sighs> I was going to say, and then For, of, fortunately, sorry to interrupt, no, fortunately, no. not horribly, you know, yeah. we've, we, nothing that has, you know, crippled us, but, uh, we've been lucky. Now, what about, um, the border closing? Was, was they still able to get trains and stuff? Yeah, through? that had, that surprisingly, I know what you're talking about. That surprisingly hadn't really affected us that much as far as, cause Canadian Pacific could still get the, the rail cars Still essential or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So, so thankfully that didn't, uh, happened, but we definitely did deal with some strikes and different things where the stuff wasn't moving.
0: So uh, the actual lot itself, like mm-hmm. what's again, like I, I was kind of joking, like you drive down, like if I'm yeah. going, you know, sneaking out to bluff at <laughs> five 30 the morning, to play <laughs> golf. If I look over, I typically kind of glance. Cause, um, I actually had never heard of your company until it won the small business award. Sure. And it was just, I'm not in that, that area. And then I was like, South junction, where the hell is this place? Mm-hmm. And like, obviously I know South junction, yeah, but it's like talk back a little bit, yeah. kind of behind the woods. And, uh, or whatever wall. So I looked and it looks like there's just a small little building. Yeah, Is so, it, pretty so it's pretty
1: much it. So that building was there when we bought it. It's uh you know, it's essentially like a scale house, scale building where mm-hmm. you can weigh the trucks in and out. We got a seventy foot truck scale right there and um you know, bathroom different area, it's nothing special but uh, an area where we can, you know, do our work in and stuff like that. Our mm-hmm. guys can work in and then when you kind of get it's kind of hard to see from the road but when you get further down in you can kind of see some rail cars but um when you come into the actual uh rail yard itself that's when it opens up a real lot and you can actually see what it is we have uh that's where our rail cars and our rail spurs are down there
0: so how how many uh how many rail cars typically are in that area at a given so, time.
1: So today I got a message from my brother. We had 39 on in, in there right now today, which is, that's a lot for us
0: uh, at one time. Now, where do you think your production, say the, the five or six that you went and, and visited, mm-hmm. um, where does your stack up in regard to
1: volume of, we're 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 up there now. I'm really thankful to say we're up there now. We started really slow. Our first year we just did the grain and we did 70 rail cars our first year, which we were total super, total the okay. whole year, uh, which we were super happy about. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. We didn't <laughs> zero to 70. You're like you're like yes, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and we've grown it every year. The second year we had 225. Wow. The third year we had 275. The fourth year we had 375, and then we just finished last year. We did 425. Wow, so from seventy to four twenty five.
0: So seven, well, seven x whatever mm-hmm. you had before. Yeah, um, same amount of for the most part, same amount of um, overhead and everything else. Like it stayed pretty consistent. Or? For
1: the most part, um, we uh, we've had to hire. Um, we have like a a, a guy that's going to be full time. That's that's been part time because he's been in school and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but as the commodities kind of grew, um, and we started getting you know, doing stuff besides just grain. Um, we need, you know, we needed more help. We needed, needed more equipment. Uh, we started with one conveyor, which we bought for the, uh, the grain ordeal, uh, the grain contract. And now we have three conveyors. So uh, same type of conveyors.
0: Are, are you, um, I guess what's the closest real uh, yard to where you are now?
1: So there's, um, there's a spur that people use on the base um, okay. that, you know, it's kind of a, a smaller spur that people can, uh, transload on the base plastics, different things that can be uh, sucked out of rail cars over there. Um, you know, and, and people, like I was telling you, Galen, people have their own spurs on their own property for their own business. The mm-hmm. whole thing of what we wanted to do was offer it to people that don't have a rail siding right alongside their, their business. But there's, there's plenty of people in Plattsburgh mold, right? They utilize their own, okay. uh, Georgia Pacific, um, you know, different people have their own spurs. They can pull the rail cars right up to their building and offload or load whatever products they want to do right there. But, but they're not open to other companies. You what,
0: know? A, and what typically comes through, through a uh, rail yard with you guys? Like you said, grain, what other commodities? So
1: we started doing, um, a lot of cement and sand for Schluter. Okay. So we st- we've been working. That's with
0: probably a good, good, uh, partner. Schluter has been great to work with.
1: Yeah. Um, they've grown so much. Um, their volumes with us have grain, uh, grown a real lot. And we started working with them in the end of 2019, I believe. And, um, I mean, everybody knows how much they've grown and, and, uh, what they're able to manufacture down there. And, uh, I'm, I'm happy to say that we've been a big part of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so we offer uh sand and cement for their thin set that they manufacture. You know, everybody knows them for their, their curdy and their, uh Showerproof board stuff like that their underlayment stuff but uh we supply them with um the sand and the cement for their thin set that they make
0: you know what's funny this so this morning once a year i do one career fair a year okay. and i go to the uh the saranac career fair and that was this morning mm-hmm. and you know just kind of you know meet with the kids and it's kind of you, you know it's fun but we were right next to the girl from schluter she was in the hr and then of course she go look at it and all these kids are coming through it and they're kind of looking at it like what's this company you know it's like anything else you're a 14 15 year old kid you don't care <laughs> you know, you want to go to, like, the Army people or the ones with the right. dogs or something. So, just, <laughs> like, these kids come walking over. I'm like, you guys probably don't think this yet, but this stuff's really cool. Like, oh, yeah. And, like, when you understand like how the it impacts well, one obviously housing and, and and commercial space and stuff mm-hmm. like that but just how it impacts the area right but i saw i saw the concrete stuff that they were talking about she mm-hmm. goes and um so it's kind of cool like literally a few hours ago i was actually like hands-on with oh, the yeah. stuff that right um like i said pro- probably passed through you guys and to them and then they created what they create out of it so it that's cool
1: they um there's somebody that i really i look up to as far as how they use their products in conjunction with each other and, you know, will warranty them better or, you know, the way that they get out there and, you know, support the contractors and how they use their stuff in conjunction with each other. And they just, they're, they get right behind their product. And I think that that's important.
0: Have you, cause again, you, you had talked about trying to like learn the craft and learn mm-hmm. the industry because it's sure. different, you know, it's a yeah. totally different thing. Do you, um is that something you've always been able to do we're always taking like you and your brother always wanting to learn Have you guys always been like inquisitive when you were kids or even as you grew up
1: well one thing I one thing I learned I'm not I'm not sure exactly who taught me I probably took some from various people that have been in my life that I've looked up to or you know mentors or something is you know if you're gonna talk to somebody about something or do business with them you got to know what you're talking about Mm -hmm. and if it's you know unloading a rail car or dealing with Canadian Pacific on, on something, or it's buying scrap metal, or if it's picking up something, or if it's a service you're offering, you have to know what you're talking about and what better way to learn how to do it yourself. than you know, you can go out up to bat for these companies and say, well, you know, they didn't get the service they need on this, or this is the way I would do it. You know, I feel like it's you know, imperative to know how to do something for somebody and there's no better way than hands-on and then you can talk to them about it and they can, they can appreciate what you do and know, you know what you're talking about.
0: How, how long do you think that learning curve was for you guys initially
1: for the rail yard? You mean unloading rail cars and stuff? yeah, Yeah, Um, it happened pretty quick. You know, you have to, you have to, I would say, you know, within the first few weeks we were getting really good at unloading real cars and then you know as time goes on you kind of learn things um one thing that was funny is uh my brother and i we pride ourselves on you know working down there six seven years we only had to cancel like two days i think or maybe three days i think it's two though um bitter cold 20 below um can't keep the conveyors warm the fuels gelling up, and you can't keep can't keep running the product through the conveyor because it's just so cold. Yeah. So we eventually built buildings to keep them warm at night and did different things. But uh, we pride ourselves on not having to cancel a whole bunch of times.
0: So you're reliable. You're like yeah, yeah We can count but on these guys.
1: We, we got the grain to the farms. You know, we we got Schluter their their product so that they can keep uh, manufacturing what they do, and, and uh, we take pride in that.
0: Um, I'm ha- actually, I'm kind of reading through a couple of the, uh, you know. The notes we have on you and stuff, and one of the things that oh, I was—I was, oh. I was, I was kind of laughing because uh, there's a lot of cool stuff here. I'm like, I don't know if we'll be able to cover it all, but the—I'm uh, kind of laughing because I was talking about Gary Douglas coming on before, mm-hmm. and he said the North Country Chamber has long said that where things move is where prosperity occurs. And when yeah. he had—he uh, came on the podcast, he probably said that 18 times, and he mm-hmm. was trying to get to the point where I like could mimic it back. I'm like, Gary, I'm not that smart, but I said <laughs> I appreciate you trying. But he, uh, you know, that's a, when when you kind of go into the overall. Um, grand scheme of someone like Gary in the chamber in the north mm-hmm. country and with that cluster they talk about yep. um and they talk about the transportation they talk about the movement and the supply chain and everything and you are I would say a massive kind of cog and I don't want say cog in the wheel you're a massive point of uh spoke in that you know sure. rotating tire um was that was it did you offer something that wasn't here before or did you offer just a better way of something that was being done
1: um, in my opinion, we offered something that wasn't here before. Okay. Because you couldn't go in Plattsburgh, anywhere in Plattsburgh before, and say, "Hey, I have this bulk product. I want to unload it." Um, there wasn't a whole bunch of there wasn't facilities that were open to bringing stuff in, you know, for private enterprise and and unloading it. Um, and I really think that, it, you know, part of the reason why we developed South Junction was. My brother and I had met so many people. We had sold them equipment. My brother had sold them a tractor trailer or sold them an excavator or sold them something. Or I had bought scrap metal from them. And we knew all these people from the North Country. And they were going outside of our community to get a bulk commodity, whether it was the Port of Albany, the Port of Augensburg, You know, a different township over in Montreal, and then they bring it back into the community to manufacture whatever they're doing or utilize it for their business. And we said, you know, we can keep that in the community. We can Mm -hmm. keep that commerce local. Yeah. Um, Having a rail yard. Really fits the industrial growth of a region. I think you kind of said it before. Mm-hmm. It's a big part of that.
0: Well, you said that the rail cars, uh, just by volume, can can move more quicker just because mm-hmm. of the load they can carry. Right.
1: Well, there, it- there's three and a half tractor trailer, three to three and a half tractor trailer loads in a rail car. So you know, that's the, one rail car. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So in the trucking world, um, you know, thirty ton. To maybe 32, 33 ton in a rail in a excuse me in a tractor trailer, mm-hmm. a rail car is a hundred ton. So you're you know it doesn't necessarily work for everybody if you're not on a larger volume. But if you're moving volume, it's the way to go. Um,
0: so when when a so one of those rail cars, I'm assuming that's like a one car on a on a string of rail cars coming Correct. in. So how much would come in at one time if you're
1: using that kind of ratio or volume? How much do we bring I, in at uh, one time? Well. Or how so much are you saying it's, it's, comes into a certain area, yeah, like so Plattsburgh or something like
0: well, that? Well, one time. so like one shipment. How mm-hmm. many How many cars, like rail cars would be on that?
1: Sometimes just... F- so all the rail cars that come into Plattsburgh go to Bluff Point. Um, okay. Down at Bluff Point is the CPR that, you know, they, they set off all the cars for Bluff... Uh, for Plattsburgh, excuse me. Whether they're coming down to us at South Junction... Or they're going over to GP, or they're going to Moldwright, or they're going to the, you know, that other spur on the base, no matter what, whoever's getting real cars from Blazberg, it's going there, you know, sometimes it can be 30 cars, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it can be um, a few cars, it, it all depends on who's moving what and what their needs are. Um, but but all the stuff goes, goes into bluff point down there. It can be a lot.
0: So how, uh, typically if you were trying to unload one car, Mm -hmm. how how long would that take typically? Then again, I know it depends on the product, but it does.
1: So if if we have, if we have the truck sitting there Mm -hmm. and we can unload a rail car in 45 minutes, probably. Wow. It doesn't take very long. I mean, if, if the, if the rail car is set up, we have our equipment conveyors. Um, you know, we unload a, uh, tractor trailer load in 15 to 20 minutes. So,
0: and what was the process of the whole unloading from start to finish? So or kind of maybe just even a,
1: yeah. So some people do it differently. Some people have different setups for how they unload rail cars. What we do is we have portable conveyors. So mm-hmm. the rail cars don't really move. Our equipment moves to the rail car. Mm-hmm. So in between the top of the rail and the bottom of the car, there's a, there's a space. Mm-hmm. This thing, this conveyor system that we use has a long tail so you pull it in and it goes in between the bottom of the rail car and the top of the rail you open the car door kind of gravity fed it falls on the belt of the conveyor conveys it up and loads the tractor trailer that's really how we wow, do it okay. so we have 3 of those conveyors now we started with one so you can do 3 at a time then we could we could actually lo- unload 3 we could load three tractor trailers at one time if we wanted to. Do you normally do that or is that Sometimes we do. Okay. <laughs> sometimes we're doing two. Sometimes we're only doing one, but we're usually always now doing at least pretty close to two.
0: And that does that I'm assuming it takes two people to do that? Yeah. One person per mm-hmm. okay. Yep. Um now more recycling is is that just for recycling? Is there trash also? Or is it just strictly the recycling
1: portion? Pretty much everything that we do, more recycling is for the most part metal. We okay. don't do um, refuse or, or trash recycling. You know, we're not a garbage company, but we do offer roll-off boxes for construction debris, for carpenters, stuff like that. You know, stuff that would normally go. So it just, it's
0: strictly uh, scrap metal for right? the most part. Yeah. Um, now the process of scrap metal, like with that, mm-hmm. give, give us kind of the rundown of how that would work.
1: Sure. So more recycling offers residential and commercial scrap metal recycling services from you know everybody from you know the guy looking to get rid of his old uh washer that mm-hmm. you know crapped the bed and uh he needs to get rid of it and he'll call us and we'll help help him, you know, recycle that to um we have uh I'm proud to say we have a, a lot of the commercial scrap recycling in Plattsburgh, you know, from some of the bigger people like um, Bombardier, Nova Bus um Jefford Steel, you know, a lot of the the commercial scrap people who yep. who will go through a lot more scrap metal and they're looking for more of like a refined kind of um uh scrap, you know, recycling uh kind of setup. We we kind of custom fit different scrap scrap procedures to how they, you know, get rid of stuff, you know. So, uh, um, a lot of it's roll off boxes.
0: So when you talk about like a recycling scrap metal, like what's mm-hmm. that turn into? Where's it go? How do you dispose of it? Sure.
1: So a lot of the stuff, the gist of the stuff that we get comes into our yard in Keysville. Um, we process it. We either cut it up, we crush it up, we bale it. Um, however, whether it's just cutting it up and boxing it up and then we bring it to different shredders, whether it's the port of Albany, um, we go to different states besides new york we we have gone to Montreal in the past they they accept the scrap metal from us. they shred it up. Um, sometimes they process it a little bit and it's you know either um, sold domestically um, for steel mills you know in the United States or Canada. Um, a lot of it goes for export mm-hmm. so some of it will go to China, Turkey stuff like that. they'll load big ships and it's in essentially the whole. The whole cycle is it's it's eventually turned into something else, right, so um you know it'll be scrapped for another car or made for other appliances or you know rebar or something for you know industrial buildings stuff like that
0: so ha- has it always been consistent from when your grandfather was there or have you has it evolved has it changed has it have you taken on new
1: uh well, you know all the good questions um I was getting th- you thinking just no I was, th- was you' awake in the afternoon here. I was thinking I was thinking you were going to ask stuff like this, so Um, my grandfather had always recycled all different kinds of scrap metal and was able to take anything, but it has evolved, um, in the last, you know, definitely 10 to 15 years, but let's say 20 years, it's, it's evolved a lot. Um, he did more of car crushing. So, you know, you, you have a scrap yard or, or a towing facility, you got 200 cars here and your uncle lives on the other side of the state and he's got a thousand cars, you know? And he would take his mobile car crusher to your place. He would go crush up your cars. Then he would move the equipment, the loader, um, car crusher to another guy's and crush his. And he would go all over. And he was really known for mobile car crushing. That was kind of his claim to fame. Um, and he was very good at it. Uh, our thing, since since my brother and I have kind of got more into it, is we kind of do more of the the roll off box service. So, okay. you know, you'll see our cans around when I say cans, dumpsters, mm-hmm. containers, they'll say our name in the side, people put, throw scrap metal in them. And then they'll call us when it's full and we have a rotating revolving schedule. We pick them up, bring them back to our facility, weigh them on our certified scales. Um, sometimes it's all a one thing. Sometimes we'll sort it for people. Um, we offer a lot of sorting services for uh, different companies and customers. And, you know, then we'll, you know, uh, sort it out, put it in different places, process it, whatever, whatever the necessary processing is for that type of scrap metal. And then it will go on to its its next place. And that's kind of that's kind of what's changed for us is he didn't he did some roll off boxes. But, you know, we probably have over 100 boxes, maybe 150 boxes around out, the out, country. Right yeah. Now.
0: Um, do you still do the mobile car crushing?
1: We don't do that. we don't the only thing we really do now is we we crush cars at our facility, okay. um, because we can keep it clean. You know, there's there's definitely some environmental restrictions as far as going onto someone else's property that you're not sure, you know, what happened there before yeah. you got there. Um, liability incurred with that. So what we what we do now is if we buy cars from people, we generally bring it to our place and then probably it's, more efficient too. It I is assume. it is because we've got it set up exactly yeah. the way that we like. But uh, yeah, yeah, I would I would have to say that that's that's kind of um, How it's changed for us, also, um, so there's two parts of scrap metal. There's ferrous and non-ferrous. So ferrous is anything that a magnet would stick to. Steel, Mm -hmm. an old car, a washer and dryer, you know, a cast iron radiator. That's ferrous. Um, Non-ferrous is something that a magnet wouldn't stick to. So copper, aluminum, um, brass, stainless steel. Usually it's worth a little bit more um, non-ferrous stuff is kind of where I kind of started when I was younger working for my grandfather and I was getting my feet wet into that. And I knew that that was going to be something kind of bigger in the future. You know, when I was a kid, copper was worth 25 cents a pound. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now copper's worth $3 a pound, you know? So that's something that he didn't mess around with as much. He's, he always bought that stuff, but it's, it's definitely come become a lot more prevalent you know, in my brother and I's time. Um,
0: so when he started, was it a one person operation?
1: Yeah, no, he had a, he had tons of guys. Um, he, he started, he started, he had different crews and stuff. He kind of, he kind of got his feet wet. He started with, he, he first started with, uh, hauling ash logs and they would make uh, shearwood hockey sticks out of them in Canada. Okay. Yeah. He started with that. And then he kind of started, he was a wheeler dealer. He, uh, he bought and sold cars. He was a Land Rover dealer. He was, um, he bought and sold military equipment. Um, when he was in the services, he didn't actually serve in the war, but he was, uh, he was in basic training when the war ended and he fell in love with military vehicles and all wheel drive vehicles. And he wanted to be a trucker when he was a kid. So when he got out, he kind of got his his start kind of dabbling in all these different things. And he was successful in them. But um scrap metal is really where he he shined. And the seventies, eighties, and nineties is uh is when he did very well with scrap metal.
0: Um was so your grandfather was your great grandfather entrepreneurial, do you know?
1: I don't really know too much about him. Especially when you start getting the great,
0: it's like yeah. it's it a little fuzzy on how much it's, you know him.
1: Um not not that I know of. Um he definitely my my grandfather didn't, um, he didn't have anything when he was younger and he, he definitely made his own, he made his own mark.
0: And that just kind of like passed through through generations?
1: Yeah. So, so my mother, uh, Carolyn worked with my grandfather for many years when she was, you know, came of age to work in the family business. So she was kind of like the, the intermediary middle generation between my brother and I and my grandfather. And then um, she worked in the business for many, many years. Um, and actually just retired last year.
0: Oh, that's um, good for her. Yeah. She's probably like, ah, the boys got it. now, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, she's,
1: she was, I learned so much from my mom over the years. She was very, very smart individual. And, uh, you know, I was lucky to get to work with my aunts and uncles and different stuff. So some of my family kind of came and went, Mm -hmm. um, worked with my grandfather, with my mom. And a lot of them have, you know, gone on to have very successful other businesses for themselves. Do you think
0: you're more like your grandfather or your mom? (sighs) or are you guys all kind of the
1: Boy, same um cut from the same cloth I think that I think sometimes I'm a little bit more like my mother mm-hmm. and I think sometimes my brothers maybe a little bit more like my grandfather but um I think I think anybody would say we definitely have aspects of of some of of all of them did, but uh
0: yeah How long did you work with your grandfather for
1: So I mean I mean I was working with him when I was in high school but uh definitely more full-time when i got out of high school um you know i went to clinton community college for a few years and studied business and he was a big proponent in that and uh you know getting some getting some some college schooling and stuff he said he could have always done a lot better with that and he wanted my brother wasn't wasn't much on uh wanting to do anything for college so he he definitely wanted me to get some some training with that and uh, that's when I really started, you know, sucking up a lot of information from him, and you know, business and how commodities were traded, and how he worked with different people and 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 did deals. Um, I think that's a lot of where my brother and I both, you know, learned a lot from him in that regard. I find when you
0: when you learn from like if people always ask me to get in real estate, I'm like, you got step one, you find a mentor. Mm-hmm. That's your easiest way to learn in any business. Is Absolutely, like step one, you find someone's already done it, figure right. it out uh shorten the learning curve yeah i i also find though that someone like your grandfather like he's teaching you kind of i, I say like the uh you know scrap metal 101 or whatever that yeah. might be but in you can learn that probably pretty quickly the, the thing i find with mentors is you start to get into all the nuanced stuff sure. the very small details the connections the you know the connecting of the dots of mm-hmm. all like how everything works because a lot of things are simplistic, and then I find they get complex, sure. and then I think the really smart people are the ones that can take a simplistic, you know, once it goes from simplistic to complex, the really smart individuals to me are the ones that can take the complex and simplify it back down.
1: Right, absolutely.
0: And I think that... Uh, absolutely. I, I a, you're, and again, I, I'm kind of curious to see how you think about this, but I would think that you've got gained a lot from your grandfather because he was able to see decades of trends and decades mm-hmm. of connections, but also... Right realize like all this stuff can get kind of crazy and chaotic and like, you know, the stuff just that people see and, and, and really if you simplify things down to the basic uh, parts or the basic, um, you know, I, I guess main pillars of the business mm-hmm. and you really focus on that, you do. Right. It's kind of like, uh, I saw this, I read this analogy a month or two ago that most people, if you take a problem or you take something that you want to solve and you attribute it to a tree, that the the roots in the tr- the trunk and everything like that is really the stem of the main issue but right. most people what do they do they cut back the branches right and you're really not going to the heart of the problem where mm-hmm. I think someone again, kind of the analogy aspect if your grandfather was you know you maybe being a young kid or kind of not having the, the the world experience to kind of like you might be looking at the branches and where I find that my guess is that your grandfather was very much down in the roots mm-hmm. and then but learning that stuff from him, I'm guessing based on kind of the the experience you guys have, and again, this is just a very broad statement that you guys are probably getting really good at simplifying a lot of crazy technical parts.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you have to look at everything. One thing he taught me is, you know, things can be huge. Things can be big. You can overthink something, but come back down to common sense first, you know? Does it make common sense? Mm -hmm. If it makes common sense, okay, well, then you can, you know, like you were saying, branch out you know, uh, open your mind up to, you know, different opportunities or, well, does this, did, does this, is this going to make common sense? Okay. Well you can take it to the next step, but I think, yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. Um, in a nutshell, you know, another thing you were saying, getting to, getting to the, the root or the problem is he taught me, my mom has taught me too. You don't dance around something. If you have a problem, deal with it face on, and then you can, then you get the respect of your customers. You get your respect to your clients. I mean, I'm sure all the time in, in, in the field that you have to do, not all news is good news. No. And, um, I think sometimes one thing I always think about that he said, um, one of his quotes and I like this when he says, business is, you know, a series of obstacles and your success is determined by how well you overcome those obstacles. You know, everybody's going to have, you know, you're, you're living it up when you're, when you're doing great, you know, you're selling or, you know, you're buying a whole bunch of stuff, but you know, really, I think, I think people would, would measure the success of a person sometimes why, how they overcome problems or how they over overcome obstacles. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I always remembered that when he said that. So I think that kind of lends itself to kind of what you were saying before. And, and, um, just to touch on what you were saying before about mentors. I mean, I agree a hundred percent. He was definitely probably one of my biggest mentors, as well as my mom and you know, my dad and my aunts and uncles. My aunts and uncles are really hardworking people, but mentors can be many things. Um, you know, we were talking about, you know, Gary and Sue in the Chamber. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're they're great people. They have they have been you know huge huge proponents for for what we're doing at the rail yard and become great friends um over the years for my brother and I I think before when we were just doing more recycling we were just working so much we weren't getting out a lot you know we weren't getting out to chamber events and we weren't we we just weren't taking the time to do it we we're busy and in the last 5 or 6 years um since we started you know trying to participate and actually be a bigger part of the community um, they've been great contacts. I look up to people like them so much.
0: Yeah. I, I think, um, I mean, I've always said before, I think if North country had a Mount Rushmore Gary's on, yeah, is on I heard somewhere. you say that another one. I think. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, but I, I know it was, um, we went the other day to, uh, the, when the governor came up and spoke and they had right. this, this thing at Nova bus and, um, and, you know, you, you sit there and, like, the governor's the governor or, like, whatever. Any time someone's a governor, they're used to speaking in front of crowds and everything else. For sure. You know, she went up and did her speech and whatever. And then I was kind of, like, all of a sudden, Gary just gets up, takes the mic, and Gary just, like, <laughs> drops the mic on everybody. And I, I find that, you know, I think we're, we're you know, very lucky to have Gary. Because I think Gary – for there's certain people that don't move that are just – like, I think that the thing that with the North Country – it has it, it. It's like the people. There's like an underdogness to the North Country, but there's also the idea that a lot of people in the North Country are just hard, like resilient oh, yeah. people. Yeah, and I find that in order that can only go so far, mm-hmm. and you need to have some of those like all-star players oh, that yeah. are just unwilling to leave the team. You just need For you him. need that like the person that's going to stay on the team for 20 years and never get traded. For sure. And I feel like Gary's kind of one of those guys, like he came to the area and then I, I feel like Gary could probably have opportunities far beyond where we are now. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of like, no, nah, this is like my squad. This is my team. Absolutely. And when I look at people like that, cause one, that's a lot of respect. Cause you could take someone that it's two things. Like I find that, and this is not the shit on these kind of people, but how many people do we know? Go to college, get a job, and then just like, all right, peace out. I'm going to go somewhere else. There's jobs, there's opportunities. And I kind of look at them like, wouldn't it be cool just to like create that stuff locally? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I think draws me to you guys is that I think that you guys are born, raised here, and kind of saying like, hey, we're going to, we're going to like, our roots are here, but we're going deeper with the roots and we're going to make more from whatever we do.
1: I agree on so many levels with what you just said. Um, North Country people are very resilient very hardworking and I have so many respect so much excuse me so much respect for so many of the businesses around here um, as far as just who they are their work ethic and I remember when my grandfather was when I was younger he would say you know he's been to a lot of he he was big one of his uh, favorite things he he was a very avid traveler he liked to travel with my grandmother and he would go to these beautiful places in the world but he always loved coming back to the north country. And, you know, he loved the Adirondack Mountains. He loved all that. And I feel that same way now that that, that I'm older. I, I love the North Country. It's fun to go on a vacation. You're excited to come back. And, and you know, speaking to some of the other stuff you said about, you know, the chamber and having these people fight for you, you know, I can I can firsthand tell you that those people have fought for us and for the North Country business. One thing that happened to us with South Junction is, um, so a couple of years ago, Canadian Pacific rail tried to, um, kind of shorten the service schedule for Plattsburgh. I don't think it was anything necessarily intentional from an initial standpoint to, to hurt anybody. Um, but you know, they're, they're servicing some, some huge areas, you know, Toronto, Buffalo, you know, massive places that, you know, Plattsburgh doesn't, while it's very important to them, it's not on that level. So for instance, uh, they try to shorten the service schedule. So we get rail cars, the availability to have rail cars in and out full ones, take the empties out five days a week. And we got an email that said, you know, they're going down to three days a week. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and that was a big deal. We were like, oh man. How much of that business was from CP? as far
0: as like the the rail like how how much um when you say going down from five to three days mm -hmm, a week is that that's
1: all them so that's everybody yeah so so everybody in plattsburgh so this was a 40 percent drop right off the face yeah okay so you know the the cars come in from the main line and then they come into plattsburgh they push off plattsburgh's rail cars and then they keep going down to saratoga albany then you have a local crew that has a low, uh, local locomotive just uses around Plattsburgh. And then they push the stuff into a uh, South junction and they go over to mold, right? And push it. So, so they said, well, you're going down to three days a week. And I said, wow, that's, that's really going to hurt our opportunity that we can offer businesses like Schluter businesses, like, you know, these farms and stuff. So I was kind of, I was kind of like, you know, drawing up some stuff in my head and contemplating what, what the next move was going to be and before we could even do anything they went down to two days a week so it was wow. tuesday tuesday thursday so immediately i reached out to gary in the chamber and they were great they um we got together with some other local businesses mold salerno um we had some really good friends over at schluter that came over and worked with us and we kind of formed like a little local coalition mm-hmm. and said hey you know plattsburgh's really important we need to get this service back um we had a series of meetings. Um, we had, um, some local officials that went up to bat for us, wrote letters, um, you know, came out to the rail yard, came to Plattsburgh to support for us. And, you know, we were really happy to, you know, report that we got full five day service back when they tried to go to two day service. So that was, that was just one example of like, I was I was kind of piggybacking off what you said about you know Sue and Gary and these people they they they're not just people in positions they really care about North Country business you know
0: yeah and, and I can
1: and I can account for that
0: so you, you and again I, if that if they
1: didn't do that you just think that most likely never would have happened I, I mean I I know all I can speak of is firsthand is it would have totally it it might have been the nail in the coffin for South Junction as far as wow. we I don't know if it would have closed us I think it would have definitely hurt our you know what we're able to offer people. You know when you can only get stuff in and out two days a week as opposed well, to five. A massive trickle down effects. Yeah. Like oh, I said, for sure. other people come in for sure. And-, and so you know that was that was a huge win. Um, We I I have people that uh we we've uh you know talked to that are that are in rail that introduced me to a lot of people. And they said, well, you know, you're not gonna. You're not gonna win against cp they're so big and i said well we're gonna try yeah, you know yeah, yeah. and and like i said we had so much support from the north north country chamber of commerce on that um we had letters of support people you know local people had had worked up for us and and we went went to them and said here this is what we need and um you know business is growing i mean Just with South Junction, but there's other local businesses who that, you know, my brother and I in South Junction don't work with, but we were banding together with them to say, hey, we got to have this service. And and that's just one thing that the North Country was really Chamber of Commerce was great with.
0: Well, I mean, uh, again, Gary quotes all the time, punching above your weight. And Mm -hmm. I think that's something that obviously that's he's made kind of a career off of that. Absolutely. You know, basically just rolling in like he like he owns the place. Absolutely. And I think a lot of it just comes down to the presence. And he's talked about. You know, you physically have to be there. He yeah. travels a lot, but he, he's like, I'm going to show my face. I'm going to be there. And, and it's not just kind of, hey, I'll send an email out. Mm-hmm. But it's, And you know, and it, it goes a long ways. And I think, hey, you know, I've just recently have gotten, you know, has seen, have seen that. Now, granted, the other thing is we don't, from a real estate perspective, we don't really work with the chamber that often. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, but, you know, when I look at companies and hear you and other people have talked about it, it's like, okay. So then you can start connecting the dots and really see that there's, you know, a very strong, um, you know, network that's kind of tied in. And again, at at the thing this morning, the girl comes up from Schluter and she's asking me questions about real estate. But then it's like, in turn, you turn back and ask them questions because everything's interconnected. Right. And and it's like, and how is my business affecting your business? How is Mm -hmm. your business affecting my business? And that's one of the things I like bringing different industries on when I talk to people because like, I don't know a a whole lot about this. I mean, I know what it is, but not a whole lot. So like understanding the nuances and, and kind of the, the situation that you're in and saying, okay, connect the dots, like that makes sense. And this, you know, and I find that just trying to understand, you know, kind of like the machine of the North country and how it works. Um And I would say that the transportation hub is our bread and butter when it comes to the jobs, comes Absolutely. to the attraction and it comes to that. So um now do you guys have any I mean, obviously three businesses now, has there been other, other uh opportunities that you've looked at or you think that could come from what you're doing? That um, you can share. Obviously there's some that are yeah, uh, no, in the boiler room. We, we don't wanna
1: No, we've we've always got a couple more irons in the fire as far as different things that we wanna do, but um I think that I think that the most most part of what we're really trying to aim for is to grow more at South Junction. Um we we just got a grant earlier this year. Um to build more at the rail yard, which I was really, really happy that we were awarded. Um, you know, continue to offer our expanded services at more recycling for you know, residential commercial scrap metal recycling services, and then of course, with this new endeavor, more recycling, um you know, offer better trucking services for some of these local businesses that were that were offering that trucking for. and um you know, so a lot of what we do is, kind of handling stuff so people can do what they do best, you know, whether it's getting you bulk commodities so that you guys don't have to worry about that and you can manufacture your product and right now your product's flying on the sh- off the shelf, we wanna help you guys so you don't have to worry about that. Or, you know, if it's trucking, giving you guys trucks that are gonna show up on the job and you're gonna get the job done. Um, you don't have to worry about, you know, having a lack of trucking or your material not getting there you know we like to we like to handle stuff like that for other people um but uh we've we've got a great staff of people and we're we're trying to obviously expand our services
0: um would you would you consider yourself strategic a strategic person
1: for sure yeah yeah
0: absolutely it, do you i mean do you
1: ever do you ever shut your mind
0: off or is it always running <laughs> I, was, it's, I it's i know i know the people running business like i it's hard yeah it's
1: it's really hard um i'm not gonna lie it's something that everybody kinda Everybody kind of struggles with their own battles. I call it the balance. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, selling homes, doing real estate like what you do, doing scrap metal, doing the rail yard thing. It's the balance. It's what's a good balance of work life, um, family life, personal. You shut the light switch off, you're not working anymore. Mm-hmm. And then, and then people have to have, um, you know, independent, you know, Galen Troy, you have to feel good about yourself independently and do stuff for yourself. And I, I tell people all the time, you know, no matter what you're doing, it's the balance, you know, where's your balancing point? What's too much work? What's not enough family? What's too much fit? Fa- you know, not, not enough. Do you think you're good at it or I'm learning? <laughs> yeah. Cause you got a new baby. That's I'm it, learning. Yeah. Um having a, having a baby or say new baby, but you no know, toddler. Yeah. So, uh, I'm lucky enough my my wife works with my brother and I in both of our businesses all three of our businesses and so I get to see her a lot so that's awesome um and I think that helps a little bit sometimes but uh having a I mean you've got three children having a child really it, it opens your mind up to a lot of other things and you know I definitely want to spend a lot of time with my child and hopefully children in the future and um you know just opening yourself up to Just trying to do your best when you're, when you're working and you're, you're doing your thing, but when you're off hours too, you know, feeling, feeling success in that, you know, and, and and that's really what I mean with, with the balance and, uh, I'm trying to get better at time management. I mean, I feel like there's, there's always something you can be doing. You know, somebody tells me the other day, the first hour you wake up is your, your, your best hour for, for thinking and planning out your day, doing whatever you're doing. So now I'm like, as soon as I wake up, I want to do something really good in my first hour, whether it's just planning the rest of my day or doing something in that first hour. So it's like, now I feel like if somebody's told me that I'm like, if my first hour isn't either planning or really good, I feel like I'm wasting it. You know? Well, I,
0: I, uh, (laughs) <laughs> I, it's kind of the the idea that I, I find that as I've gotten busier, and again, I kind of alluded to before, is that idea that when you're starting out, you're learning the basics. Mm-hmm. Then everything gets very chaotic, right? And then I've been spending so much of time lately trying to simplify things down because yeah. while getting. Complex and crazy and stuff is is good because you've earned it and you've you've brought on that success and you brought in those opportunities mm-hmm. At some point you're human. You only have 24 hours in a day. That's right. And you have and again, I You know as as things grow and your family grows, so it's like okay I'm just gonna keep piling on stuff you know in my life mm-hmm. But my, my time allocation is still the same or my allotment is still the same right? How do I allocate that time right and uh, I I? I spend a lot of time on just straight up efficiency and trying to be efficient and trying to manage time. And then there's always that parenting guilt of like, I like, I just, I know I need to spend time, but then it's also like, if I go do some work and I don't spend time with my kid, am I a bad father? Like, you know, should I just be here? And then part of me is like, that stuff will never get done if I don't take care of it now. So you're in this. um, And I've been, lately i've been really uh diving in have you ever heard of it i got the book behind me but the eighty twenty principle uh i have so i've been like super super into efficiency and models and kind of thinking outside the box of like how do i become more efficient or how do i i put focus on stuff that actually matters and mm-hmm. how do i take time that i know i can't get the stuff and be okay with it not getting done. And right. for me, and I'm guessing for you, something not getting done like, might stress you out or bring on anxiety of like, I should be getting to that, but can I just not do it today and push mm-hmm. it off? And then it's like, almost like that devil on your shoulder of like, get it done, get it done, get right. it done. And uh, so it's been, been tough. And one of the things I've, I heard the other day, to simplify it, and I'm gonna ask you this, because I think this would be kind of cool to see in your world. If you were to have a heart attack, so this, this, it's just this is just <laughs> hypothetical. love the way that started. Yes, hypothetical. <laughs> so don't, don't But if you were to have a heart attack and could only work two hours a day, what would you do? Wow. Well. And what happens is, is, it expands your mind because normally, like, and this is why I talk about being in the, like almost too much in it. Mm-hmm. If you were like too much in the the weeds and too much in the, your day, and then you said, "But listen, like, you have," we kind of did this a little bit through COVID. Like, you only have two days, two hours a day, right? What would you do? Well, all of a sudden you go to the really essential parts of your business or what would have the greatest scale. Right. And what it does is it really allows you to kind of prioritize stuff and say, I, wow, I I'd even really think about that. Should mm-hmm. I even be doing that anymore? Right. And you do it because maybe it's a habit. Maybe you've been right. doing it for years. But then you think, does it really matter?
1: So you feel like that has totally had an impact on <laughs> since reading that or going over that, how you, how you spend your time or how you look at things.
0: Yeah, I mean it, and it's that that question is fairly new. Meaning, I've heard that question. This is just something I heard in the last week. Now, I've been I've been processing it for about six to eight months. Of this a lot of this stuff, but as you keep peeling back the layers of the onion, there you start getting you know deeper and deeper, and you mm-hmm. start kind of um, opening new doors and new thought process. And someone asked my business coach the other day. I was talking to her, and she's you now trying to like, okay, I want to make systems, and I want to get better and, and implement the systems at a better rate. And she goes, well. Build it out for a hundred people, and I'm like, yeah, but like I want to. I don't really want a hundred people. She goes, well, no, you just pretend you're building it out for a hundred people. Like, right. what would actually have to happen? And just her saying that, my my mind went from like it just expands. It's like a paradigm mm-hmm. shift. You expand your your right. thinking to like a much wider base. I'm like, oh, okay, and it almost feel, feels clearer a right. little bit. And that's kind of the idea with the two hours in a day. Mm-hmm. The next question was, if you had a second heart attack, what would you do in only two hours in a week? (laughs) So it goes, but that's hard, (laughs) but it's really forcing you because it's it's not against our, our, it's kind of against the grain, like you, you, you have stuff you do every day. And obviously I'm saying you're running three companies and you, how many employees do you have overall? We are up to about 22
1: employees now, 22, 23, I believe.
0: So you take that, you take your family, you take, I mean, how many people are you directly responsible for? Because that adds pressure. That adds right. weight. That adds like the idea of like I can't really slack off because even though I'm my own own boss, quote unquote. Like yeah, you have 22. Uh, and I'll count your family. I'll count your friend. Right. Like you you have people that rely on you, and that's mm-hmm. and that that can weigh heavy. And really, um, the idea of if you're the top person, it's lonely at the top because there's there's nobody to point the finger at. There's that's nobody. Right. You take the blame when shit hits the fan. That's right. You're responsible for everything. Mm-hmm. Like you know it's and uh you know and I find that trying to put stuff into perspective in order to not self implode mm-hmm. is, is really what I'm kind of looking at. And it's not that I'm going to self implode. It's the idea that I'm trying to set myself up because I can see the writing in the wall. I have kids are going to get older. I'm, I'm going to get older. I'm going right. to like all these things that I'm thinking like way down the road, but I'm trying to get better at now. Kind of like you said, like learning, like not really learning a new industry, but learning how to be more efficient.
1: Right. So, I think that, um, time management is is you had mentioned it before is a huge part of it so like you know you can look at it like this like now i feel like um time management for me is you know if i didn't get something done before five o'clock before well i could stay till five thirty or stay till six or you know if you had to stay a lot later to to get the job done mm-hmm. but it's almost like more important to say well at five o'clock, I got to go home and spend time with my family now. So, you know, that time management, is that going to make you, you know, try to crunch a whole bunch more stuff in, you're going to get it done. Oh, well, I got to go home at five to be with my family. So I'm going to get this done, you know? Um, and I think that's something that I've learned a lot about is since, since I tried to, you know, want to sit down and eat dinner with my family, we try to do little things like that. um, you can get more out of yourself if you motivate yourself to kind of do better. And it's not about what's the total amount of work that you get done in a day. Did you sign this deal? Did you push something off a day? It's like, here's my time frame. Let let me think about it. How do I measure, how is this measurable and what can I get done in that amount of time so that I'm still home with my family and I'm not missing out something really important there.
0: And uh I think
1: th- Now first off is that is that easy or hard for you to do? It's, it's getting easier. It's been tougher in the past for me. So my brother and I run businesses where people, you know, the you anytime they text you at night. I'm sure you probably get stuff like that too. And you're like, you know, I don't want to lose the deal. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, ignore them till tomorrow, but you know, I'm home with my family now. Do I want them to wait until, you know, tomorrow or, You know, different things happen. It's all how you respond to it. Um,
0: Do you set boundaries? Are you good at that?
1: I'm, I'm, I feel like you're hitting all the spots. I'm I'm (laughs) trying to, I'm trying to get better at that because I want, I want my people, you know, that I work with to know that they're very important to me, Mm -hmm. but I also want them Let them know that my family is important to me, and you can literally get a hold of me from six o'clock in the morning till five, or maybe I'll even squeeze till six o'clock at night. But the other 12 hours, don't you know, not don't text me or call me, but you know where I'm coming from. Yeah,
0: well, I think you, 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 it's a priority too. And and uh, I had someone text me at eight o'clock last night, I pinned it, yeah, text them at nine o'clock this morning, it was fine. Like it's, it's, I'm starting
1: to do more of that too, yeah. Um, Hey, I'll get you an answer in the morning, or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, or, just punt it, yeah. or or you know, in a respectful way, say, "Hey, this is what I can do. Let me look at it in the morning. I'll get back to you." You know, it's not, it's not, it's not black and white. You don't have to say, "Well, I'm just not gonna text them back." It takes you know, a minute to get back to them, and you can fully you know go over it in the morning, or or, or if it's on a Sunday or something like that. And I think that that I think that kind of lends itself and goes back to that balance thing. You know, what's that good? You want to be happy at home too kind of thing, you know?
0: Well, I, I, uh, yeah. And and I think the, the, the idea of, I've heard this recently too, that like rest is the basis, the basis for all activity. Mm -hmm. Like, and the problem is when you're someone that goes, 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 and I had this, uh, um, a mentor of mine say the same thing. He goes, if you like, he goes, Galen, he goes, you work really hard, right? And I said, I'd like to think so, but yeah, I said I I I don't really shut off much. I'm kind of go go from morning to night. He goes, and I bet you do a good job at it, and you're really into him. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, so he goes, so the weekend. He goes, why don't you go that hard on rest? And in my head, I was like, well, there's just always stuff to do. He goes, yeah, but you. He goes. You go really hard when you're on. He goes, mm-hmm. why don't you go really hard when you're off? That's right. what's going to happen. And again, this is something I'm like trying to get into.
1: No, I love this. Keep moving. It's <laughs> the,
0: idea, the idea that you're human, but you, you physically can only take so much. So if right. you just beat yourself down, right. and then... Because what's going to happen, most likely, I'm guessing, that you don't let rest creep into your workday too often. No, uh, and,
1: definitely not.
0: And, and that's and that's the thing. So it's like you, you we allow we allow work to creep into our rest, but we don't allow rest to creep That's into our work. That's a good way to put work. it. And, and it's tough. I'm not saying like, I'm, I'm not saying like I've mastered this, but this is something I, I always, you know, you know, when they always say the first, the first step of like a prop or first step of like a problem or recovery is admitting you have a problem. Mm-hmm. And I think that admitting like part of me is like, I always think it's a big win when I can just identify there's a problem. For sure. Cause then I know what to fix. So then the idea of like, I will, you know, I'm getting better at evenings, like not checking email. I'm getting better sure. evenings of just kind of like, I eh, we'll wait till tomorrow. Uh-huh. Cause I, I want to have that decompress time at night. It's important. And, and, I, but the thing is like, we, we know that we talk about it. We like weekends, like we get it, but then I'm, I'm human. My mind doesn't shut off. I'm taking notes. I'm reading like, I'm like, I'm not going to do anything today. Next thing you know, I'm like reading articles online about uh-huh. learning something. I'm like, just stop thinking, <laughs> like just like chill, grab a cup of coffee and watch like, you know, just watch like a game on TV. Right. Um, but it's, it's, it's tough because you've built up this, uh, I'm going to call it like, you know, scar tissue, but like work over years of like, that's just what I did. And right. I just worked hard and I just grinded. Right. And, and then what happens? You get married, you have kids and now mm-hmm. priority takes over. And it's almost like teaching an old dog new tricks. You're re you're trying to like relearn something that's so ingrained in you, which for you, by the sounds of it, you've you were working as a young kid, you know, and you've been working probably at this point, 30 years, you know, and you're in your thirties and been Mm -hmm. working probably 30 years that you've just ingrained this like work ethic, this just go, 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 just grind it out, make it happen. And then it gets to the point where it's like, you got almost like pull the reins back a little bit and it's not natural. That's what make it hard.
1: I think that, um, you know, any, any, man or woman that's our age that's, you know, it, what what we would think is in their best working years, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, grinding, I call it. You know, you're grinding, you're grinding, and you know, something happens, like you start a family or something happens, and, and you're just in a mode, kind of like what you said, you're in a mode where you've just been working, working. You know, last year or a couple of years ago, you know, it was okay if you worked a little couple hours later, yeah. and now you're in that mode. <laughs> And now, you know, you used to work till seven o'clock, eight o'clock, you know, you were doing something hands-on on on the job and maybe six to seven o'clock was when you checked some emails or did some stuff before, Mm -hmm. but it's different now. You've got Mm -hmm. kids, you've got, you know, t-ball practice or ballet or something. And I can't speak yet from that, but I see my friends and, and um, you know, it's hard. You have to pick your battles. And that's kind of why I feel like communication is so important. Um, knowing your own self worth and what you can bring to the table time management, like we talked about, you know, reaching out to your peers, um, reading books, um, doing things where, you know, you can kind of find that new norm for you if, if you're a parent and you're working that much, um, and stuff is different and stuff changes and that's okay. You know, um, and people will understand that about you. Um, as long as when you're working and you're back to that mode and you know, your, your kids are at school or daycare, your wife's doing something different or your husband's doing something different. You're back in that mode and people know you for who you are, you know?
0: I, I yeah. And, and uh, the, like the hardest part I think is my, the crazy thing is like the only person that has to sit, like be okay with it is myself. And that's the hardest, that's mm-hmm. the hardest person to convince. You're your hardest like, critic. Yeah. And you're like, ah, can I, you know, I should say no to this and I should say no to this, but yeah. I'm so ingrained as like, yeah. no, I can do it. I can do it. And then yeah. you realize like, I can't do it anymore. Like right. I just can't do it at the level that I can. Cause right. I'm sacrificing. And my thing is I'm not going to, I t- really try not to sacrifice family time. So then yeah. I just purely sacrifice like just, I, I would say health, but just like sleep, mm-hmm. you know, just the stuff you should be doing like right. to keep yourself, like to keep the engine going. And right. you're just like, ah, I'll just burn it at both ends. We'll yeah. figure it out. And, and then it's like, <laughs> I uh, know we're, we're blowing we're, black smoke's coming out. And we're going we'll to see how it route. comes out on the other side. Yeah. Like we better <laughs> let's, let's get lucky here. So I think, uh, that, yeah, that's just something that, you know, I look at, you know, people like you and, and, and that just, you know, anybody that's an entrepreneur, it's, it's one of the most rewarding, but it's one of the most challenging things you'll ever yeah. do. And I think that anybody that, and there's all different kinds of people out there, but I find that like people that are entrepreneurial, we all even different companies, you all share a commonality. Absolutely. And you know, like anytime I see someone that runs your own business, I have a ton of respect for it. I'm like I might not know your business, but I know there's a lot of things you and I both have to do or have to deal with on a daily, weekly basis out in the open and then internally, because like I said, you're in your head all day long. And it's like that gets it gets challenging. But it also like I kind of I'm like other people are going through the shit. Like it's it, which does allow me to kind of relax a little bit. I think know? some
1: of the things that help me out too is, you know, I can talk to people. Mm-hmm. I think having a good support group is really important. People that you can talk to and bounce ideas off of, whether it's friends or, you know, just having something like this, you know, where you can talk to somebody. I have, you know, I have uh, uh, a couple really good friends that own businesses, they do their own thing. Um, and I can kind of, you know, unfortunately it's hard when you have a family you don't get together with them as much as but just you know you've got those friends where you haven't seen them in a month or two mm-hmm. and you get a couple hours you guys have a beer mm-hmm. you know sit down go to a game watch a game or do something and you just fall right back into the friends and you can vent a little bit mm-hmm. i think that's important you know um one of my best friends you know, we get together and we'll have an IPA or something like that. And we'll, we'll talk about work and he can vent a little bit. I can vent a little bit. And, and it's sometimes not putting that stress or, or, or that conversation on your significant other, not that they couldn't handle it, but when you're, you know, you want to get your venting out and you want to get your, you know, um, your, your discussion or anxiety or whatever out. And so what you're back with your husband or your wife and it's it's positive you don't have to vent to them you know it's good to have a good support group right yeah um so i think about that a lot too you know having people that you can talk to super important that's one other thing i've learned so like we talked about the time management thing before now i'm thinking about you know feeling good about whether no matter what you accomplished in your day or what you didn't accomplish what got what got done or whatnot just talking to somebody you know and saying "Well, oh, man i feel really good to kind of talk to somebody, get that off my chest. And they're going through some of the same issues that I am, you know, going to, um, business after hours or stuff like that. Um, I'm trying to do more of that stuff because it, there's so much stress in your normal day of what you do. Not that it's not enjoyable. I love what I do. Um, but going to something where you're just, you know, networking and meeting other people. I've heard you talk about this on your podcast several times. Um, just going out and talking to people, you know, feels good, you know?
0: Yeah. It, well, I think the after hours, I mean, the benefit of the after hours is it's like-minded people. So it's For like sure. you go and, and, and again, I, I, I don't go as much as I would like just because of the family stuff. Yeah. Cause they start at five 30 and right. it's uh, you know, it gets, we're actually hosting July. Oh sweet. Us and like a couple people in the building. So I don't know where it's going to be. We're, we're, it's like anything else. You're winging it. We'll, we'll figure it out that day. An hour before. No. <laughs> I, 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 have other, I have other people helping me with it. So, But it's, uh, yeah, no, that, so that would be fun. But like the same thing, you go and you meet people. And yeah. it, it, there's twofold. You meet new people and then just go and see some friends. And mm-hmm. I find that, you know, I've been going long enough and you've met a, you know, a lot of them are really good friends of mine. So you just sit there and have a beer. And Absolutely. The last one they had, uh, the last one I went to, um, it was at, uh, you know, Adam Crosley at all? Cross uh, country so. mortgage, So he's a good buddy yes. of mine, but we ended up going there. And I, I kind of joked, it was my first one I'd been to in a while. And I probably moved about the distance of this table, like in a semicircle, <laughs> and probably talked to 40 people. Because <laughs> you just knew everybody. You right. kind of get to see people, and it was fun. But you just, it was like a reunion, and you got to shoot the shit. And it was just a very laid back. Like, right. and it's at night. And, and the thing is with, as you know, we talk about getting up, and depending on what time you get up in the morning, like you might think better. Mm-hmm. But... And I don't discount, but I'm saying like, you you kind of want to just be alone in the morning and do your thing. So like I, your brain's firing, but there's like, I want my coffee. I want to just kind of chill and like kind of ease into the day. And then the after hours, like I want to ease out, but I want a little bit of, you know, that a little more fun, a little more laid back, you know, kind of just decompress from the day. And I find that when people talk about business, like a lot of, and as you know, like it's relationships and, and I mean, you made a good point with the chamber and everything else, like if. Say you didn't really know Gary or you didn't know Sue, and you called them up. It's way different than them calling you up and saying, Absolutely. "Oh yeah, Troy, what do you need?" And then they, they understand the business, they understand. So I think, you know, in any business, I said it's who you know. It really mm-hmm. is. I mean, it's it does include what you know, but re- realistically, you can know everything in the world. Um, you really got to have people that you can connect with, and 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 basically. I kind of, I, my favorite quotes, rising tide raises all ships. Like you mm-hmm. need, you need the rest of the people there to ride the tide with you.
1: Right. And you have to reach out to those people. And I think what you just said, Galen's important, you know, start a conversation and continue a conversation with people, you know, whether you necessarily have business with them or not, you know, and who you are, tell them who you are, what you're doing and just, you know, stay connected with people. I'm uh that's another thing I'm trying to do better at is just stay connected with you know, my customers or even people that aren't my customers and just are networking friends or business like-minded people just trying to stay connected, you know, so they know where you're at and, you know, maybe you can help them with something that they're going through. Um, or maybe they can help you. Like you said, you know, I was, I was, like I said, I was very, very happy with, um, the North country chamber of commerce, what they've been able to do, um, for local business. I, I'm seeing it first and Firsthand, um, and, and I'm one of those people that can attest to, you know, the 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 success of what they do.
0: Um, so I, I we haven't mentioned this yet, but you were the was it 2021? I get the right year, business of the year. Yes. So the two, yeah, so 2021 business of the year North Country Chamber of Commerce. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the virtual one, right? It was. Yeah. So I, which that, was
1: kind of awkward but fun.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it may, may, I, yeah. I don't know what what your viewing party was like, but uh, so. But obviously, that's the one of the biggest awards you can win of the year. I would, mm-hmm. you know, I think um, in the business community, if you win an award at that, at that, the cool thing is, obviously, the chamber gives it away, but or gives it out. But at the end of the day, it's like it's pretty unanimous. The person that wins it, I think it's as a collective, people are typically, yeah, yeah, great choice. Like very rarely, is someone getting like, why the hell did they pick them?
1: I think that was I, I had known you from you know, just local stuff. I'd, I'd heard of you, but I think when you, you won the trailblazer award, didn't you Galen? I think that was the, I think that was the first time I remember like, you know, hearing your name besides something besides real estate. So, um, yeah, they were, they were really, you know, they were great. And, and I think, I think some of, some of the success was us overcoming, like I said before, some of the obstacles. It wasn't necessarily just all growth, which I'm very happy and fortunate that we have had the growth that we've had. Mm-hmm. But I think it was, um, you know, also some of the things that we've been able to overcome and 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 uh, providing a business to Plattsburgh that you know nobody had, you know, where nobody was really capitalizing on yet. Um, and I was happy that we we're able to provide that for local Plattsburgh. I mean, first and foremost, we did it for North Country business and Plattsburgh business, so we can support that. But, um, you know, rail yards and industrial growth, you know, we could we could literally bring a company to Plattsburgh that's not here, you know, by just having stuff like that. So um, it was really, you know, it felt, I guess the best word is validating. You know, I felt validated that, you know, people, you know, after... After four or five years, saw the same things that we kind of saw, you know, um, and realized that it, it was an important piece of the puzzle.
0: Do you also find that, uh, like I said, when you, we get into, uh, let's we'll say South Junction, obviously sure. more recycling too, but you said when you're like you're busy, I mean, there's a certain point where you almost just go underwater and just like don't come up for a couple years. <laughs> then you finally come up and you're like, oh, yeah, I guess we have done like some stuff. You got
1: to right? put the work in, right? Yeah, so you almost
0: have blinders on it. You yeah. just are so engrossed in what you're doing.
1: And I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I had, um, a couple of different years where I wasn't working with my family and I wasn't sure. Um, so I worked, I worked with my family when I was younger and then I took a break, um, from about 2008 to 2012 or 13. Um, I wasn't working with my family. I actually, uh, lived in california i lived in los angeles and i was doing audio engineering and working in recording studios really yeah for, so I should get some tips on this i was just feel. gonna i was gonna say i might have a couple of things yeah i can, there you go. I can <laughs> tell you um but uh so i guess the the point i was trying to make in that is is it's not always crystal clear like you were talking about you know you're, just, you're underwater you're doing the work you know sometimes i I guess the point I'm trying to make is I was gone for five and a half years when I lived in LA and then I I chalk it up as a life lesson that I found out that something that I like to do for a hobby that I thought I wanted to make a career career out of, excuse me, was just a hobby. And I really missed my family business. And that's when I came back and when more recycling really got um Actually, my mom and my brother were doing a fantastic job before I even got back. But when uh, when I came back, when we really started firing on all cylinders with more recycling and then, you know, several years later is when South Junction was, was starting.
0: So, so audio engineering? Yeah. That, so that was just like a hobby? Like, um, like,
1: like So I a was kid? I was in bands in high school. I was okay. always, I was kind of, I played some sports, but I was more of like, uh, I was in bands with some of my friends when I was younger. Okay and that kind like, of like
0: rock band or like
1: yeah. ensemble kind of band uh both okay. i played trumpet in okay. the in the school band but yeah we were in like rock bands played around plattsburgh had a lot of yeah. a lot of what was f- your band name um i was in uh the first band i was ever in was called second to last and okay. we were kind of like you know pop emo kind of stuff um love blink 182 okay. that kind time of pride? stuff yeah, good everybody loved blink 182 yep. and then um I was in a band with uh, some of my other friends from uh Sable Valley called The Summer's Ball. So that was fun. And then that's kinda I always like loved music. So I would say the one thing about me besides, you know, work and stuff is I, I love all kinds of music. Well, Everything. So what instruments do you play? Guitar, bass, drums, um, that's stuff so like cool. that. Yeah. And I love music, so you know, I kinda wanted to try to uh I wasn't sure if working with my family was exactly what I wanted. So I had to go, you know, yeah. sow my wild oats and uh, <laughs> moved out to California and went to music school, graduated and uh, did that for a few years. And uh, my girlfriend, my wife, who's my wife, Rachel, my girlfriend at the time, she moved out and we lived out there for uh, I was out there five, almost five and a half years. She was out there, I think. Four years, And uh, we lived out there and we're doing our own thing. And like the other right side in of the, LA, Oh yeah, we were right in LA. I, I wanted to be close to school because my friends that I knew that lived further outside of, uh, actually I was right in Hollywood. My, my, my school was in Hollywood. The farther out they lived, the more late they were for school every day because of public transit and yeah. stuff. So I lived really close to school, but that was, that was an experience. I worked at some cool studios out there. actually worked at Will Smith's studio for a long time and uh get jiggy with it. yeah and um but yeah it was it was a i guess you know to get back it was something i had to go do and i yeah. tell people Scratch i only have bit. i only have three to five that i can chalk up as a life lesson yeah. i'm sure you have some yeah. and uh i'm it, i had to have that experience to realize i miss seeing my brother every day at work i missed working with my family seeing my mom you know um I have a lot of respect for people or, you know, feel a certain way for people that don't get to see their family a lot. That's tough. And, uh, I was like, I'm a family person. So not seeing my family for, you know, once a year, if I'm lucky or twice a year was, was tough. Um, but that's when I came back and, uh, then we started, started going with all these business things.
0: Um, so, so again, audio engineering, what, sure. were you mixing so, music or like how does so, that work?
1: So, I was mostly doing uh, mixing. Uh, I learned how to do both tracking and mixing. I went to a school out there and uh, graduated in a year and a half, uh, year, a little over a year. And, um, you know, I had this misconception that I was going to record bands and do what I always loved, loved music. And, you know, it was going to be starting at, eight o'clock in the morning or seven o'clock and work until four o'clock. Like I had always done when I was younger. And, you know, that was a, definitely a misconception. a.m. Yeah, yeah, it was, I was going in, oh, it was crazy. I was going in at like one in the afternoon, setting up for studio sessions for artists, you know, that were supposed to come in at, you know, four o'clock or five o'clock. Sometimes I'd get there at Eleven or twelve o'clock at night. Sometimes I didn't record at all.
0: Type B personalities. Right? <laughs> and and
1: I'd be there till five in the morning. I'd be driving down the one hundred and one. There's nobody on the one hundred and one at at three thirty, four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning. Uh, if it's in the middle of the day, it's five lanes, bumper to bumper. Um, but I'd come home just in enough time to bring my girlfriend uh, Rachel to work. You know, for six a.m. She she worked at a, a different different uh business out there so I'd come home walk my dog walk her to work go home go back to sleep so I could go back to the studio for 12 or 1 o'clock that same day
0: so who were the music people that the people that came in the artists were they were they known or were they just kind of yeah. like smaller
1: so um when I worked at Will's studio you know we it was mostly R&B and pop people mm-hmm. um but um, Chris Brown so you're the guy sitting behind the glasses or in the studio. Yeah, I was actually a lot of the time I was like an assistant, you know, I wasn't necessarily a person recording them. I would assist the guy that was recording them. Um, you know, Rihanna, Chris Brown, Kid Cudi, different, a lot of rap people mm-hmm. at, at, uh, at that studio, but really cool experience Met a lot of really cool people. And like I said, I, I wouldn't trade it. It was awesome living in California. I loved yeah. it. I missed the weather. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it took that for me to be like, I like working for myself. I like, I like making my own schedule. Are you, I like, are, are you a seasonal guy too? As far as See, I like, just like, Oh, do I like, like this LA?
0: Al- there's no seasons. It's, it's, it's gorgeous every day. It is. I don't know. It, if are you like a skier? Are you like hiking? Um, like-
1: I do not do very much for extracurricular activities. I have to be honest in the <laughs> winter time. I wish I would, you know, take up snowboarding. Maybe when my daughter gets a little older, we can, you know, do snowboarding and skiing and stuff. But, uh, I like the seasons. I like to do stuff. We do stuff outside in the wintertime. Um, but man, it's nothing beats that LA weather. The The oh, yeah. California weather is amazing. I tell people it can look like the worst day ever at eight, nine, ten o'clock. And then in, in an hour, it's the most beautiful day you've ever seen.
0: I went to, uh, I've been to California a couple times and every time we've gone down, it's like Anaheim, yep. which is, we usually fly in LAX and mm-hmm. go down. So Anaheim and we've been to like Newport beach and things like yeah. that. And, It's amazing. Oh, it's nice. Like, I'll go down to Florida. I'm not a heat guy. So, like, when I say, like, muggy heat, I don't like the humidity. So, I'll go down to uh, Florida, and I'm kind of like, give me AC. I don't like like the heat. I go out to LA. I'm like, I don't care if it's 80. Oh, yeah. It's dry. It's different. It's beautiful. It's different. Yeah, you walk around, and it's, I mean, it's hot, but it's, it's not
1: uncomfortable. Huh? Well, you kind of get that like uh, coastal Venice Beach, yeah. you know, breeze coming yeah. even into most of LA. So yeah, you know, we uh, we had a lot of great adventures when we lived out in LA. It was fun. A lot of amazing food. Um, culture's great. Uh, we were younger, so we did a lot of fun stuff. Yeah, we yeah. drive around and um, a lot of great memories out there
0: um no that's cool so so uh do you still do any kind of music today
1: not really to tell you the truth it's uh between working with my family and stuff and and uh you know doing the the dad thing and the husband thing it yeah. takes a lot of time I still go to concerts uh, my wife and I'll go to concerts do stuff um music's still a huge part of my life um just not recording it as yeah. much anymore I kind of I still play instruments and and do stuff with uh, actually got a Couple buddies of mine that I, you know, we play once in a while, get together and jam. They'll come over to my house, like go over to their house, and we have a good time with it. But uh, not recording like I was back then, from one to one, yeah, <laughs> and one yeah, to three in the morning. Di-
0: different life as as a, as a dad. Um, <laughs> the uh, this is like our first um, first year back of like going to see concerts. So yeah. We have like a decent chunk of like some concerts laid up this nice. week, this year, and I'm like, which who are you going to see? Um, so, uh, oh god. <laughs> my memory sucks here um, two weeks we're going to see Coldplay which oh, is nice. which is my wife's favorite band so absolutely and if right. I actually have a a better appreciation for them when I was a kid I was like I don't, I don't really like Coldplay I mean they, they have like some songs but they were overplayed I like, like Coldplay lots. yeah and then my wife introduced me to when you start listening to their whole catalog like, mm-hmm. these guys are actually really good oh yeah um,
1: been around for a while too
0: yeah, oh, yeah 100% so Seeing them, um, we've seen them a couple times before, so it'll be fun. And then, uh, I'm going to see Dave down oh, at SPAC nice. for the weekend, so that's my, I'm, I'm excited. That's my, he's probably my, that's that's, probably my favorite band. So they have
1: a pretty serious residency at SPAC. Usually, Dave doesn't, don't they? They that, come, yeah. come every year, yeah, kind of thing, Friday,
0: Saturday, yeah. and that's uh, so I'm kind of like in that genre of nice. bands. Um, that's great. Do you know Dispatch? Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, so Dispatch and OAR are playing later. Yep. Dispatch is top two or three bands for me of all time. So, That's awesome. So it's kind of like one of those like perfect storm. We're seeing some, all the bands that I kind of like, so mm-hmm. you, you know, and you go a couple years without seeing them. It's like, I, I actually really miss going to see live music. Right. So spec's great. I
1: mean, going somewheres and, you know, being uh hour and a half away from something. How nice is that? Where you can do that?
0: Well, uh, LA must've been, no, but I mean the, well, that the Traffic was, must have been.
1: A, that's one thing. So at that time, it might have you been know, five miles away, but now and a half could go there. in any direction. So we one thing that was cool is my, my my buddies and I that I uh, guy I moved out with from Keysville, uh, Matt. Um, we used to go to like the Troubadour, which is like mm-hmm. the most iconic. That's like where the doors came up. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, these places that in the sixties, Elton John played
0: there a lot. Yeah, there. so
1: yeah. Elton John had some some huge shows at the Troubadour. Yeah. So we would go to the Troubadour. Hollywood Bowl, um, Hollywood Palladium, um the Hollywood Yeah, I said the Hollywood Bowl. There you know, there's there's these iconic places that people played, you know, that go down as as isn't a Greek theater, isn't it? Yeah, so there's exactly so um we went to those places and that was super fun. We saw some great shows out there. Um my buddy got me into dredge when i was out there so we went and saw dredge play out there they were great we saw some heavy you know we were into um metal too so we played we we went to like some heavy metal shows and stuff but just a really fun time like a fun carefree time where like i know i wouldn't have been having that much fun if i was like not not to sound rude but like working like i work now you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. so I, I definitely uh we had a blast doing that
0: have you ever been to a bad concert live i
1: don't think so
0: i always think like live music even if you don't really like the even genre. the worst
1: so i love music so much i love all different kinds of music the worst concert is still like you're going to a concert you're going to doing exactly. something you know what, so what i mean like, so it's, it's not like, bad
0: yeah it's like when i go like i like playing golf that i don't play it as much as i wish i did but you go play even if you, you have never a have a bad
1: round, round of golf right
0: I mean, I, 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 certainly shoot bad, but then we also remind ourselves because yeah. I play with dads now, you know, like we're all older, we're, you know, you work or whatever. And if any of us are having a bad day, like you're, you're golfing, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like we're golfing, we're not working or like, you're not, you have no responsibility really right now, but just to have fun. So, right. and again, it puts it in perspective. So if you had a bad shot, it's like, I don't care. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. like, I'm outside, I'm doing stuff, you know, yeah. having, having a little bit of fun. So, um, now again, kind of like, uh, uh, spin off and kind of getting away from work but like I said it is there much that you do to kind of unwind like we so said you don't really do a lot of like um so extracurriculars I but
1: i don't record or do anything like like that stuff anymore with music but like i said we go to concerts and stuff i think my big thing now is um you don't know, just vacationing it sounds kind of boring saying do you like get out that. to do that a lot i want i i'm trying to do it more yeah. um i feel like everything you're like i oh, do you really do it i'm like i'm trying to do it yeah. um just spending time with my family, getting away. I want to travel. Um, I, a lot of my family is big travelers, um, went to different countries. So pre COVID we were starting to do some, a lot of overseas travel. Um, my wife and I went to Greece. We went to Italy. So we've kind of been going back and forth, but we do three like States kind of things. And then I was like, "Well, let's trade that off for like one overseas thing," you know. So when we went to Greece um, with my wife's sister and her husband, that was awesome. We had a blast. We went and saw the northern part of Italy. That was a blast. We want to go back and Italy's so big, like Milan, and so we we did like we did like Positano, um, we did uh, Naples, we did that that area. But I want to do like. You know, Sicily, I want to do some of the other places that you had mentioned. Um, There's just so much to see in the world. So now I feel like traveling's like, I kind of like to see stuff overseas a little bit better right now in my life, I feel like. Because not that I don't enjoy going to Florida and just kicking back and stuff, but um, I like to see different cultures, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah how they perceive stuff
0: is your wife like that
1: she did she loves traveling too but
0: i mean like the same kind of travel
1: yeah yeah okay i mean we have fun we, we try to mix it up because we don't get a ton of vacation. so like sometimes we just go and do the beach vacation and lay on the beach and yeah you know boozy drinks and have fun too like i'm not gonna pretend like we're all like super cultured but it's fun <laughs> to mix it up um but, but
0: my, my wife is like give me sun give me humidity give me sand and we're yeah. so opposite i'm like yeah yeah hey. Like, I would like to go to, like, Italy or yeah. go to some place, like, it, and that's, uh, uh, like, I went to Italy years ago, and it's an amazing place, but yeah. you're not really hanging out on the beach. I'm like, I want to go, like, I'll walk around, get something to yeah. eat, something to drink, kind of go yep. see some of the sights, and I think, uh, you know, even just walking down, like, a corridor, of just, like, you know, one of those, like, town, uh, city squares and just seeing, the, like, the people, and it's... It's, it's cool. Like, I'm
1: exactly the same way as you on yeah. that. So, like, now I just remembered a couple of the places. I was drawing a blank. So, we went to Sorrento, yeah. Positano, uh, Isle of Capri. Uh, Capri yeah. Um, Capri's, like, it's amazing. It, it, yeah, but it was, like, it was crazy. One thing I liked. Did it a Ferry Over? Yeah. Ferry boat, yeah. So, one thing I loved is how they have such pride in building stuff back the old way. Mm-hmm you know, I literally, I mean the actual uh, architecture itself. Yeah. The, well, it, you Greece know, this, must have been amazing for that. It was and the, and, you know, like the city squares and stuff. I saw this guy in Italy and you know, they're placing stones in the cobblestone streets and he was like, literally like leveling it out with his feet and like putting it back the way it was now. I feel like, um, and I, I love, you know, I love buildings. I love, I look at things differently. Um, you know, my family used to take pictures of stuff and you know, it's even bigger than just like buildings and cities is how do they live their lives there so like one thing that was a big to me is you know i see how we you know we kind of we kind of kill ourselves to work mm-hmm. you know as as in the united states and, and nothing wrong with it whatever but they totally are different over in italy they're the like siestas and yeah so i yeah. when <laughs> we're go, we're going down and i'm like the, the shops are closed at 1 32 o'clock i'm like it's not the weekend or like, it's not Sunday or, and they're like, people are like, no, they just close down. They go out to dinner with their family. And I'd see these people have like early dinners and they're much more like they live for family and work is important, but they don't, it's, it's not everything to them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, t- that took me back.
0: It, it's a cool culture. Cause I think that things are um, slower there at times. And right. um, like when we went to, uh, we went to Ireland and so I had like family in Ireland and stuff, and we went over. It was it was cool, and, but just quiet and just mm-hmm. like very simple and very. Um, right. very um, I I feel like it was about thirty years in the past,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, from a lot of standpoint. Now, obviously, if you go to like a Dublin or something like that's right. definitely more modern, it's a European city. But the countryside and just like the regular little town shops, like you have like mom and pop shops, you have the butcher shop, you have the little small bank, then you have like the little merchant that's selling something and. Um, but very authentic. And like, you'll go into like a pub, and I mean, any bar in Europe's just cool. But like, you go into like a little Irish pub, and it's like, you can try to recreate one around here. When you go to like a little oh, Irish pub, you know it. And, right. And you just, I don't know what it is. You just feel it, but it's, uh, same thing just everybody's like really relaxed and really happy and just mm-hmm. kind of like i don't think anybody was pissed off any place we went right and everybody's just like ah, oh, no, it's, right. it's sunny out it's gonna rain a little bit we find it's green have a beer I'm like, right. okay <laughs> <laughs> i like this let's go but it was uh no it was a good time so we uh but the, the traveling um like we're finally starting to get out with the kids to travel which is and i say travel it's like a you know by car ride to yeah. like a, you know someplace but so i
1: think that's kind of like one of the things that you know, is important to me is, is, um, you know, hopefully to immerse my, my children. And, you know, also have a amazing time with, with my wife and my family and her sisters and brothers and my brother and, 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 um, our families were trying to do something where we do like these big family vacations where we all come together, mm-hmm. which is really tough because, uh, you know, the last time my brother and I went on vacation together, it was like 13 years ago, 12, 13, you know, yeah. it just doesn't happen because yeah. we, we both have to, you know, be there to cover for each other. If he's going somewhere I'm like, okay, I got you, I'll cover for you. Yep. If I'm going somewhere he's coming for me, I'm like, you know, goal of mine is us to do more stuff together, you know? Yeah. And, and, See my family? um, so my brother does not have kids. Um, he, he has a girlfriend, they do stuff, but, um, he doesn't have a family yet. So, yeah. so it's, it's, it's a little different for us, but still, he, still he understands though, yeah. and, um, he's excited to be an uncle. So it's really cool, but,
0: well, it's good to, uh, like I said, it's good to know that you can leave and someone can walk like, it down and because I think that's,
1: we always cover for each other. You have to have that.
0: Well, that it gives you that balance too. And right. It gives you that time where, right.
1: I'm fortunate for that. Yeah,
0: where you just like check out, and mm-hmm. that's uh, like I said, because you got to rest, you got to like re- rejuvenate, and that's something that I'm really trying to get to. So um, yeah. we'll probably compare notes maybe later in the year. But like, <laughs> we did. We pro- did where did
1: you go? Where did I go? No, I, I we're we're always we're always looking for. You know, we have our places that we want to go, and like I said. You know, since COVID and everything, um, you know, kind of kind of shut down a lot of the international travel. Super excited to to be able to get back to that. But like I said, we just went to we just went to Florida with my mom and 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 uh, we went to a, a fun place in Florida and just went for a few days. And it just just feels good to just do, you know, if you can't do that huge vacation overseas, you know, go to Europe or something. It feels good just to, you know, recharge a little bit, be with your family and friends like, you know, Galen, you know.
0: Well, I, th- I think. As I've gotten older, there's a couple things that really stick out that I'm like these are just almost like nice little life hacks. Yeah, the long weekend trip, right? Which is great. Like just get like let me leave like late Thursday or early Friday, and it just feels because I also get the point. I I have a hard time leaving for an extended period of time because I get itchy. Like it's I gotta tough. like do stuff. So three four days, just a, it's almost like a little flash in the pan, mm-hmm. and it feels great. And yep. then the other one. It, again is, is well the darty the day drinking party so when you start day drinking and you just roll that in you're in a bed by nine ten. you wake up the next day and you're great there's not a better parenting hack in the world uh, so i find that there's like certain things that i'm picking up now as you get older you're like yeah, that's absolutely it that's that exists and we, you, you gotta have that talk about the efficiency like we're mm-hmm. getting efficient with how that's we can funny. still have fun but you know be responsible so um troy anything else you want to want to cover or you
1: i don't think so i mean uh just appreciate you having me on and talking to me. It's it's nice to learn uh, learn something about you too and uh, talk a little bit and excited to be a part of your podcast. Yeah, it
0: was good. It was great, great having you on. And uh, oh, if people want to find you on on any of the fronts, kind of where can they find you? How sure. can you reach out?
1: Um, I'm on uh, on Facebook, um, Troy Barabee, More Recycling, South Junction Enterprises, also on Instagram, Troy Barabee. Um, South Junction Enterprise on Instagram and, um, you know, more recycling online. I mean, uh, we're pretty much, we're pretty much on everything besides uh, no TikTok, no TikToks. <laughs> no, I don't have time for TikToks, but, uh, we're on Instagram, Facebook and, um, you know, we're, we're out and about. They can track you down. Absolutely. That's
0: awesome. Well, um, that's it. Troy Barraby, um, episode one ninety three, the Galen Trombley show. We're out.